Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Battle Over the Podcast. The podcast focuses on all things pro soccer and the DMV and across the U.S. My name is Jose Almanya, sports writer and sports contributor to the Sports Pulse. And joining me as always, Mario Maya from the Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I am doing all right. Just trying to keep my do my best to stay cool because, boy, it is humid. Not just humid, hot as well. The temperature went up to 100 degrees. We'll get into state of things here in the district and heat and humidity in our stadium in a second. We might as well just get into it. DC, I had an interesting week. One week after having Wayne Rooney introduced as coach, they got their butt whipped two times. One, we won't really talk as much. Mario can bring it up as we go along. And that was a friendly against Bayern Munich. I think. Correction, correction. Ten year in a Bundesliga in a row. Two time in this decade. Championship, Champions League winners. Bayern Munich. Yeah, I think I speak for everyone. I say I don't think we were expecting a positive result out of that. But nevertheless, DC United took on Bayern Munich and friendly. And the less said, the better, I think. Was it seven <laughs> two the final? I, I stopped six counting. Two was the, six yeah, six two. two was okay. the final. Yep, I think the less said the better. But Mario can talk about it as we go on. But we're really going to focus on what we know currently and how the roster looks and how they look in MLS play. I mean, they played against Montreal this past Saturday. Uh, a poor first half, surrendering two goals within the first 25 minutes, leading to a 2-0, 2-1 and at Audi Field, Romanel Kyoto scored the two goals in the first half. Um, DC was resilient in the second. However, this loss drops them to 5-12-3 with just one win in their last 11 since mid-May. Good luck to Coach Wayne Rooney. <laughs> um Several lineup changes. We can get into them in a second, but you know, Mario, your overall reaction on the game itself. I felt the moment landed. I mean, the moment um, Donovan Pines lost his footing and gave up the ball, and it turned into a sprinting match with Kyoto. I just felt that DC was in for a long day, and we were only one minute in. Oh, and they gave up the goal in the first 45 seconds of the game. I just put my head down like, oh, like, oh God, here we go again. Here we go oh, again, yep. Here we go again. Listen, that first half, um, boy, uh, it is best described as a car wreck in the middle of the ocean. Uh, I don't know how that makes sense, but it was a car wreck that, was a pot that turned into a pileup. Somewhere in the middle of the ocean because they looked pretty bad for a good chunk of that first half. And no, and in no way was there like any sense of urgency to get back from that 45, from that goal in the first 45 seconds. If you don't know how that happened, uh, well, Donovan Pines slipped. Uh, did not gain control of the ball. Tried to slide tackle the ball out of there. Romel Samir Kyoto. Yeah, that's right. I'm using his full government name. That's what Donovan Pines called him for the good first sport for the first half. Uh, took the ball. 
Donovan Pines tried his best to match up to him, could not speed it, could not catch up to Kyoto, ran into Rafael into Rafael Romo. Kyoto kind of spun around Romo and then slots the ball into the back of the net. Uh, and again, we were 45 seconds in, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, God, here we go. And you know, like any good horror movie, there's a good gust of wind going on in the press box in the first 45 minutes. Jose was out here giving us the weather report. Shout out to you. Uh, and so it, it just didn't, they didn't seem to click in the first half. They, could, they couldn't get proper put, uh, passing lanes going. Jackson Hopkins seemed that he was tracking back a lot to cover, to cover for Drew Scunridge, who wasn't really doing much. They had some opportunities in the middle of the first half, showed some life, mainly just Taxi shooting the ball directly at goal. And then the second goal. Yo, talk about forgetting to track back and, le- and leaving Samake on an island. Because Steve Birnbaum nor Donovan Pines were nowhere to be found. And then Romo Kyoto burns Samake and chips Rafael Romo. There was some fight in the second half. I don't know what was said by Chad Ashton to motivate them. They, they created some good opportunities. Birnbaum scored, but it feels like it wasn't enough. And, well, here we are. I, I think what was said was your jobs are on the line. Like You kind of mentioned it in the press conference when asked at the very end, um, about certain decisions, leaving out certain people, and Nahar came off the bench, and the Heinzeich and Ola Kamara were reserved. Ola did come in later in the second half. Michael Estrada and Nigel Roberta and Tony Faro were not in uniform. They weren't injured, but you know, I think I, I think you could quote me exactly the same way Chad Asher said. It's all because of competition. Like they're having he said competition. He said completely having competition, and, well, Nigel Roberta and Michael Estrada have been underperforming this season, so that, that's, yeah. that's a pretty – but it's also, yeah, it's a clear message. Like, if you're going to underperform, like, expect not to be called up. But that's just more of me saying that. Well, we don't know what's going on in the practice field, and, like, certain things didn't make sense to me. Drew Scundridge, for example, as you mentioned – Natural midfield, they're playing right back. Uh, Samake, he, he's okay. We've seen him before earlier this season. Fine. He started over to Andy. He was on the bench. That was, I think that was more minutes because he did play against Bayern. But he Scandis had a nutmeg. He had a nutmeg competition going on against Alfonso Davies and Leroy Sade during the Bayern Munich friendly. I think it was more friend of uh, just fatigue, I guess. But to play Samake and then play Ted Pietro, like I like Ted. Uh, he scored against Bayern. Uh, he made a start. I just think that they left themselves in the wings a little too little experience. Just one thing where you have Samake playing on one side, but Samake hasn't had a lot of minutes with DC. But then you play, and I know for a fact that the team is very, they think highly of Samake. And then you have on the other side, Drew Skundrich, who's a natural midfielder. I feel like you leave your center backs handicapped, but don't worry, your center back is going to mess it up anyway in the first 15 seconds, 25 seconds of the game. So whatever 
whatever they thought of was thrown out in the first 45 seconds. And at that point, and you kind of brought it up midway through the first half, like uh, the center of the park was a big issue. And you kind of saw it in years prior as Russell Canals trained and tried to prepare playing with a different center midfield pairing. Well, we had Durkin together <laughs> with um, Sofian Jafal. Sofian Jafal, who almost got a goal surrendered where he directly passed the pass to Kyoto. Like, it was like a direct pass that Kyoto then get a 40-yard shot catching Romo off, off his line, and he almost scored, but it landed off top of the net. It would have easily been. Three nothing before halftime had then not gone over the bar. I just was curious on a lot of the lineup changes, and I guess I'll speak for a small part of the fan base because I do agree with this. When I saw the lineups, I said, "Oh, so we're on complete rebuild mode. Like this is not a playoff team." All this talk about we're going to try and salvage the playoffs. Like I just, it's hard for me to say considering the lineup changes that were made, considering the people that put in. The, the formation changed midway through the season. Even though this team has always been better as a four-back team, even went under Hernan Losada. I just think that so many changes are happening. So many decisions are being made. So many new people, we'll get to that in a second, are joining the team that I can't really say for sure. This is a team for the now. I think this is a rebuild completely. And, I think if the next by August they don't if by midway through August they don't get some winning games in, I think everybody should start kissing the playoffs goodbye. Yeah, for me, I'm more on like that lease. It's more of like a hard reset, borderline, a rebuild, just with the amount of players that are coming in, and with the amount of uh, amount of like. Loudon players that are being called up to play, to play it, it just kind of feels like they're trying to reset everything to see how they can salvage the season. But I agree with you. If you don't get some wins by August, yeah, you could kiss the playoffs goodbye, and then we could go in, and then we could go into a full rebuild at that point. Well, I think you know that doesn't sell tickets either. I don't think that they're going to say it's a rebuild, but I think just by watching the moves, the wording of competition. The look for all you can say about Nigel Roberto, I feel like he's the when he's on the field, he's probably the most active player on the field. When Andy Nahar is on the field, he's the best player on the field at times. So when you don't play those two guys, like that's a signal that to me that either the A they're trade B because we've watched sports in this country a lot, and usually when you bench a guy, it means that they're trade bait, or B you're you're thinking about a rebuild. You don't want to get them injured, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think this is a rebuild. I, even though DC and I is still in investment mode, but I just don't think, you know, I like Sofian Jafal. I think he has, you know, he played more as a 10 role in college. So this transition of trying to make him a defensive mid is. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. It, it, it hasn't worked. You can tell that he doesn't look completely confident being a defensive mid just by the amount of mistakes that he has been commit he's committed all year 
I mean, I like his enthusiasm, but it's just not there. I don't see it. I don't know what Hernan Losada saw in him at the start of the season. I don't know what Chad Ashton kept seeing in him throughout the season. It's just not there. He's not a defensive mid. He's a much more attacking-minded midfielder. But even then, they kind of took it away from him, and he just seems to be kind of useless in this in this formation. I would just put him on the bench for the rest of the year, to be honest with you, if it were up to me, because he hasn't been, he hasn't performed. He does, he doesn't, he doesn't inspire confidence on the mid, in the midfield, especially at center defensive mid, playing alongside Chris Durkin or when Russell Canals is healthy. He ha- he hasn't really inspired that, and on top of that, he almost played a perfect pass to Romo Kyoto for a goal. He did it two more times after that throughout the game. I just feel like the Sofian Jafal experiment needs to end. This has to be the end of it, right? Like, let's just play him off the bench, maybe give him some minutes, and then reevaluate where you go with him from here for the ne- for next season. Maybe trade him or something like that. I, I wouldn't give up on him that fast. I think it's unfair uh, to just give up on him that fast. I will say... It's the it's the new. I don't. Uh, I agree with you there. I remember asking Hernan, ironically enough, about, about asking this question to Hernan about what do you see on Sofian Jafal, and he was just like his energy, and maybe that's what's keeping him in start. But what's also keeping him in starts is that, you know, Russell Canales was not available on Saturday. He, he was tending to his wife who was delivering their child. So one of the things that I think will be interesting is the rumored and we could I guess get into the new signings coming in and who played yes on Saturday but one of the rumors and he was at the stadium with Victor Pauson uh who is from Iceland plays defensive mid plays midfield in general previously played in Liverpool uh the New York Red Bulls Zurich among other teams he currently is playing with Schalke it looks like he will be acquired by DC United, according to multiple reports, including Black and Red and the Washington Post. He was at the game yesterday, sitting with Lucy Rushton, uh, Rava Morrison, which we'll talk about in a second, and Wayne Rooney. Um, the, I think everybody's been saying we need a new defense. And I think bringing someone of Victor's caliber uh, had some heft to the midfield, had some heft, especially defensively, uh, that they've been really struggling with for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think this is sorely a move that needs to be made, especially considering all the defensive votes they've had all year. So it, it, it it's a pretty good. It's pretty good that they bring in someone that not only plays defensive midfielder but plays to play can play defense as well. So you could plug them in several situations, but it will it will help ease some of that, some of those defensive woes they've had all year, and probably especially on set pieces. Yeah, and, and we might as well talk about the ones who did play. We had two debuts: uh, Miguel Barry, who was acquired in a trade with Columbus. He started, whereas Chilean winger Martin Rodriguez finally got his visa a couple of days ago, and he played in the second half. I think with Martin, he kind of mentioned it also. He's had one practice with the team. There was the Bayer game and then one other practice, and that was it. 
and then played in this game. So, you know, playing going forward, it's just going to be practice that he'll need. He, he automatically was an impact off the bench. I think him and Andy will have a good relationship on the wing. I think Miguel Berry, shockingly enough, proved to a lot of people he's a he's a very capable striker. I think that the only thing he's missing is the hitting in the net, baby. Just score. It's just like that's the final touch. He had this one moment where he he had a couple of shots where he got saved on, but there was one moment where he could have shot it earlier. The ball was bouncing in the box. He could have shot it earlier. Instead, he decided to set it down and take a shot. I think he could have shot that a little sooner, but I, I like his promise. He's, I like I like his aggressiveness so when he has the ball. He, him and Taxi will need more practice. He admits he, this was his first time playing with Taxi, so I'm very, very optimistic if that was the first time they, they, they interconnected decently. Um, and I'm interested to see how it goes with Miguel Berry. I, I wasn't expecting much, but now... After watching it play, one he's shockingly tall. He's shockingly tall. I wasn't expecting <laughs> him to be that tall, and I was not expecting him to be so aggressive inside the box. And so I really do want to hope for the best in having him on the team and having him provide better scoring opportunities than what we have thus far. Hopefully he gets them in the net. That would be one great thing. But I, I, I see promise in him. I really do. First off, to answer your question, Miguel Perry is 6'3". So that explains the tallness. Photos are deceiving. I don't look at the height stats. I tend to look at the photos. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, I think Miguel Perry did extremely well, and especially considering that this is the first time he played with Taxi. This may be a very good combination. Not a lethal combination yet. We're not getting into those. We we don't. I don't dare get into that into that level in that territory just yet. But I think there'll be a very good attacking combination, pretty much with Taxi serving it up and then Miguel Barry just pretty much creating opportunities. But yeah, you have to score those and and that one opportunity out of the first half where he could have shot it early. That should have been in the back of the net. It could have been all the difference. But other than that, he played well. I like what I saw from Martin Rodriguez on the wing. Uh, that's it. That association with Andy Nahar is about to be lethal. That that right there is going to be nutmeg city. Let's call it right now. They they look like they're about to take some ankles at some point in their tenure here with D.C. But he played well, especially considering that he only just got here on Wednesday. I mean, it took forever and a day to get his visa situation uh, situation resolved. So I'm guessing 77 isn't only just a number he's wearing. It's the days it took to get his visa. Uh, but he played well. I feel like he said it. He's still trying to acclimate to the, uh, to the team and the system. But I think slowly but surely he will be he will be a pretty important piece under Wayne Rooney. Yeah, I think he provides the bite that the midfield has been missing in attack. I think that you could clearly see he wants to go up in the middle. He wants to create havoc whenever he's playing against a winger. 
Um, he wants to drift inside. He created multiple fouls for the little he was in there. So that's a guy that DC Knight wants. They've been very lacking in set pieces. And so you rarely saw DC Knight get chances to where they could shoot in set pieces. And we saw how lethal they can be when you have someone like Taxi Juntas who could take free kicks and take them and take them on target. So I think he provides that element of fear for defenders and he's versatile in that he can also play a nine if necessary. He can play up top and if you're gonna play a four three three like Wayne Rooney well Wayne wants to play a four two three one but he can play that two in the four two three one up top or he can um play more centrally midfield if if you know if let's say God forbid something were to happen to taxi uh he can play behind the main striker. So he provides that versatility. Um, the man's a journeyman, and the fact that he wants to get started and play somewhere stable is a good sign. Um, speaking of visas, real quickly, everyone keeps asking when Wayne Rooney is going to start. It went from hearsay at first, thanks to Mario, but according to the Washington Post, in all likelihood, <laughs> Wayne will return to England in the next day or two, finish his paperwork, receive his visa. Uh, and be the coach next Sunday against Orlando City. So we may see Wayne Rooney on the touchline out the field next Sunday. Ooh, Orlando Rooney's going to get you. Sure. Again, another another game that Orlando's like, why is this man not leaving us alone? <laughs> he, he, he scored goal of the year candidate goals on us and now he's come back he slide tackled us to death he's come back and his first coaching Brent, game is against us remember that slide tackle David Osted was halfway to Morton by the time Wayne Rudy got the ball slides it against Will Johnson sends the magical cross and Lucho Acosta for the only few times we ever saw, he got up high in the sky and headed the ball home. First time he was 6'5", sober. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, I just think they keep messing with Orlando. I like Orlando. It's a nice city. Uh, nice soccer team, too. Nice stadium. But I guess Wayne Rooney's going to mess with them again if he gets his paperwork all settled in before that match on Sunday. Another signing, this was reported and made official, is Ravel Morrison coming on a free transfer, being the TAM purchase. He's waiting also for his visa and his paperwork to be uh, confirmed. He is signed through 2023, according to the club, with an option for 2024. He joins after spending last season with Derby County with Wayne Rooney. Um in his 10 years as a pro player, he has 29 goals and 13 assists in 190 games. But the topic came up. We might as well address it, Mario. Should Ravel Morrison address some of the elephants and skeletons of his past? We might as well talk about it because we've talked about Ravel Morrison before. I think we have to address Ravel Morrison, it's come up by a couple more supporter groups. This is the one time we'll discuss supporter group issues on this podcast. I feel like it's fair enough that we discuss it, being that we have a short podcast today. Um, 
Robin Morrison had some situations in his youth. Uh, he used the homophobic slur towards a Twitter user who was talking, saying some mean things to him on his Twitter account. Uh, he went to jail after uh, allegedly intimidating a witness. Uh, he pled guilty for that, um, did not serve any jail time. Um, and he's had issues of bipolar disorder one of which was ignored by Manchester United, a club he was an academy member for. And the reasoning was we didn't want him to fail a drug test, so we didn't give him his pills. Um, he's had an up-and-down relationship with his mother. And as we know, he's played for over 13 clubs in his entire 10-year career. Uh, some fans want him to address it. I'll give my thoughts in a second, but Mario, um, what do you think about Fans saying the player needs to address their previous behavior um, before they get to the touchline for a substitution role on DC United. Uh, it, it's kind of hard. Not kind of hard, but I, I feel like that stuff in his past. But sure, if you want him to address it, it it's always up to the player, to be honest with you, in, in, in these kinds of situations. But he, he but if he wants to, yeah, he will address these situations. Sure, you can bring some clarity in it. I believe that everybody ha- has grown from these experiences, grown from these experiences or ex- from certain experiences. A lot of this happened when he was a teenager. So you're still trying to figure yourself out. But it, I think it's always up to the player. If he wants to address, address these situations, this is past. Yeah, and if he doesn't want to, I feel like that that is always up to the player's discretion. I understand some of the concerns that some of the supporter groups may have, but you trying to hold him to this kind of trying to have him explain or re-explain stuff that he did in his past, it's kind of um, it's kind of counterintuitive to be honest with you because you try you probably want he probably no, doesn't want to talk about it. And then you're like, hey, we want you to relive this and we want you to explain yourself. When he's probably explained himself in the past. But, you know, I, I leave that up to the discretion, up to the player's discretion. As for the ADHD thing, Manchester United, you're owned by the Glazers. You can have, you, they have some ADHD meds here in the States, baby, that can help you pass a medical. No problem. I, I feel like at that point, you should be like, Use your connections there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, Mario wasn't expecting this conversation, but I felt like it was better than us rehashing um, what we said about three weeks ago when the rumors came out about Ravel Morrison. We know he's a Jamaican international. We've seen him at Gold Cups. I think while the supporters are fair to ask the question, oh, has he changed, blah, 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 blah. I do think it's a red herring in that does the club ask you, are you a good citizen? Or does the club ask you, can I look at your Twitter account to make sure that you're allowed in the building? I think a lot of times we look at someone's past and you think that it's indicative of their their current situation. I don't know Ravel Morrison, but I'm willing to give him a chance not just as a person to play soccer. I think DG9 has also been good at having its players participate in the community. I feel like 
Robert Morrison wants to participate and probably will participate in things around the D.C. area, he can address it. I think he can, and he probably will. But I think after reading the athletic piece, and I recommend anyone, it's a very balanced piece. It goes into the details of his past, his his indiscretions, his decisions to be who he is. He's very eccentric. He's not 100% that guy that's like football's life, football's God. He's more of like, I'm a person who plays football. And we should, one, respect that. And two, I'm not one to go when we purchase someone to go through their Twitter accounts and see what kind of noise they've made in the past, to see if they're all, you know, if they're sexist or homophobic or, you know, I have to indict someone because of what they said as an 11-year-old. In this case, Robert Morrison was 19 when he made the comments on Twitter. He's apologized about it. I also don't understand the Jamaican culture. There might be different as well. I'm very ill-informed. I don't know. But what I will say is that I'm not going to put my biases on someone. I haven't met them. I haven't talked to them. I don't know what they're in for. They may be here for money. They may be here to get a big paycheck as the last hurrah before their playing career is done. Or they're here, as it looks like, because their boss, as many bosses have said, trust him. Uh, Wayne Rooney, Curry is a guy who trusts him. Gary Neville was quoted in this piece saying that he trusts him because he actually did the thing that we're talking about, getting to know him. He went to his home, understood where he came from, spoke to his mother. And Gary Neville was a teammate. Um, he was known as the best 12-year-old that Alex Ferguson had ever seen in his life. Mind you, Alex Ferguson has seen so many 12-year-olds <laughs> coming in from the Manchester United Academy. And the fact that he thought this was the best 12-year-old to say something. I'm one, not to say that I'm, I'm totally against homophobia and things of the like being said. However, I am not going to judge a 30-something-year-old for something he said at 19. I'm going to let his actions do the talking. And in this case, I'm going to wait. He'll probably address it if he wants to address it. He was there last night talking to his teammates after the game, just getting a vibe with the locker room. You could tell it was like his first time in the locker room. And I think he was kind of waiting for us to talk to him. I personally didn't ask for him just because I was like, my man looks like he just came from a flight. I'm not going <laughs> to – I'm going to wait a little bit before I, I – Right, right. Right. I was just like, oh, okay. I didn't even know that was Ravel Morrison when I got in there. Just because he was, I was like, oh, okay. It took me a second to tie two and two together. Plus, we were kind of respecting the players' privacy because, like, everybody was in a towel or wanting to take off said towel so they could put on mm -hmm. their underwear. So, you know, taking a picture of a guy chilling where everybody else is there showing their cheeks, not a good idea. No, no, not at all. (laughs) That's called levity, ladies and gentlemen, in this conversation. Yeah, and again, like I, I'm not for, so I'm not someone that's gonna ask a, a, like you said, a 30 year old man about his past indiscretions. Those things are in the past. People to grow from from the from from these situations. I'm also not a person that takes homophobia lightly. I, I I'm pretty against it. But again, 
when you try to delve into someone's past, just expect that some people are not going to be willing to talk about this stuff. Also, I again, I said it earlier. I don't know what the Jamaican culture is. My man could just be like saying some things that means differently in one culture and it means something different in the other. To quiz him on it, it's just not fair. And like, I'm more of a person that's like, let me see your actions tell the story. And so I'm willing to watch, talk to him, get to know him. I, I know the fans mean well. I think that that's something that we need to say. The fans mean well because they want to open a community. They want an engaged team with the community. And they want to know their superstars. And they want to know what their feelings are. But I think it's ultimately also fair to give the player the opportunity to express themselves, tell you what they feel, tell you if they've learned anything from that experience. And that's what I think. We, we as a society need to do better at in giving someone a chance a, to explain themselves, and B, a second chance in general. That, again, that was a 19-year-old. The one thing that bothers me is when I see these drafts, whether it's MLS, NFL, NBA, name the league, you've seen it, you know what I'm about to talk about. Someone gets drafted, they may not like said person, they go on their Twitter account, and then they look for the things that they said as a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 15-year-old. And they say some stuff, maybe they're quoting a rap lyric, maybe they're quoting like a saying, maybe they don't know what the N-word means or the R-word or their culture. You know, I grew up, a homophobic slur used to mean you're dumb, Not did not mean what it means now. So it was something that I had to grow up into learning because where I grew up with originally had different connotations. So all this to say that I think it's important to allow him to say his piece if he wants to address it. I don't think it's something that should be required. Um, and allow his actions to do the talking, not the other way around. Right, same. Uh, I feel like actions will do the talking for me instead of of him or just him explaining it. So uh, I think that's where you would probably end up going to at that point. Right. So, away from the darkness, we had to address it because I know it's the elephant in the room. And into another elephant in the room, one that I think will engage everyone. Um, there is some breaking news tonight, and that is that Washington, D.C. will have an XFL team. Why are we bringing it up, you may ask? Well, in 2023, when this XFL team plays, how do you feel is the home site again, according to the Washington Post? How do you feel the NDC and I representatives say that they have better contract terms and a better schedule that better protects the field conditions, unlike last time? So specifics about that deal is still prohibited, thanks to Stephen Goff and the Washington Post. I must remind you all that in 2020, when they played the games at Audi Field, yes, they averaged 16,000 in attendance, Fun atmosphere, still too long. That's just football in general. They never got a new field as promised by the XFL, owned at the time by Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who just announced his retirement for WWE today, uh, a couple of days ago. I'm curious what The Rock has promised in terms of these 
conditions. He's pl- he's promised to lay the smack down on those that do not want to put a new field on it at Audi. <laughs> well, Mario, I was there for some of these, what the team was called back then, the D.C. Defenders, what the Washington football team should be called now instead they're called the Commanders, but whatever. But you probably watched at least some of this at home. What are your thoughts on Audi Field once again becoming a football? Mind you, they still will host a football game with Howard University later this fall. So it's not like the gridiron game stays away from Audi Field in general. It still will have its usual Howard football game in the fall, as well as now the XFL returning to Audi Field. Uh, So Mr. Rock, Mr. Dwayne Johnson, uh, I just asked one thing. Can you find a way to like totally eliminate the hat the the lines from the field totally and not have it show that you visibly played a football game there? That's all I gotta ask. Uh, but I mean, it, it's interesting that the XFL is coming back to DC, come back to Audi Field, and they feel like a it kind of worked for the short time that it did because again, if you don't remember, the XFL like everything else in 2020 was cut short due to the pandemic. So for them, it's like, okay, we can host games here. The other question I really have, and somebody posted it out on Twitter, do they plan to play any games at Segra? I believe not. Training would be interesting. I would think that would be a good training site. The former head coach of VCU will be the head coach for the DC franchise. It still remains unnamed at this moment. All I ask is that they replace the field. This year's field has been great. Not having, you know, not having the XF, well, any American football on it. And also because of the pandemic, we've just been dealing with soccer. The fields look great the past three seasons. I think it's best this season um, since no XFL. And so I think that at that juncture, then I, I hope that whatever guarantees they have, keeps the field solid for the start of next season. Uh, there's a lot of changes heading into next season. Remember, we have deal with the Apple. We know the games are going to be uh, Wednesdays and Saturdays. Well, that means that a lot of DC United's first start of the season will be Wednesday games. We gonna find out. Uh, more than likely, the NWSL is going to start earlier next year, or they're going to have like a different tournament for the Challenge Cup that will start in late March, early April. Will that involve some collision with the XFL? We're going to find out. I know for a fact that 2020 was the year that United was preparing for business-wise because they thought they were going to get an influx of cash that would have supported bringing in additional DPs. Now they have the X- It feels like we're rewinding back to 2020 again. We have the Spirit. We have the MLS now, MLS uh, All-Star Game. We now have the XFL returning. I just feel like, all right, DC United, you better not complain about not having money. You got everything coming in now. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. You you gonna have money coming in, so money should not be an issue this season no, or this following season. Man, and on top of that, speaking speaking of something off topic, Yo Gotti was at the game yesterday, and we could see him from the press box. Yo, we could see the chain from five miles away. It's so, pretty, yeah. It was a very loud chain. I feel like that's the best way of describing it. It was a loud chain. Yeah, but also, yeah, it's gonna bring it. It's gonna bring an influx of money for next season. For next season, 
that was expected for 2020. So it's kind of you get a second chance to do this over again. And the interesting part is, will The Rock actually be, or sorry, Dwayne Johnson be at, at, at the XFL's first game at Audi? I just want him there to cut a promo. Uh, that's all I really ask for. Uh, I just want him to, like, get in the mic on the middle of the 50-yard line and go, if you smell! You know the rest. Well, look, I think that for those who weren't there, I'll say this. The DC game was one of the first to kick off. Shane McMahon was there wearing his freshest pair of threes. Uh, Here comes pretty- the money! Money talks! Here comes the money! He was pretty cool. Um, bigger and taller and buffer, too, in person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Shane McMahon was there. ESPN was calling the game. They actually had people there calling the game in person. It wasn't a thing like a lot of people complain about, like the NWSL not being in person. The XFL, everybody was there in person. I thought the atmosphere was fun. I thought that, if anything, you know, I think that every fan should go just because you want to have a good time in a cold winter that's not giving Daniel Snyder money, but it's still football. I thought that for what it was, I thought the product was great. I hated standing because I used to work uh, guest service at the time. But I did think if you're just a van and you have a seat and get a beer, they did the beer funnel for some reason. It went all the way up the top, the supporter deck, uh, the supporter section. And I thought everybody had a good time. People actually liked and they were the first ones to test the, the standing section before our supporters did. And you knew it was going to work immediately when they started doing the funneling. And no fans were complaining about the lack of seats. Uh, people knew it was a standing room section. So, and they knew by the price of the ticket. And they loved it. And I knew at that moment that if the football American crowd is going to be standing for four hours, likes it, our soccer fans are going to love it here. So I do think that... If you're a type of person that needs your NFL fix or your football fix but don't want to give Daniel Snyder money, this may be a good alternative uh, in the long run. Yeah, 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 that, I, yeah, I agree with you there. But all in all, it's going to seem like it's going to be a really good time. Yep, to everyone else outside of the, the field crew, give them their props when you see them. They're going to have a lot of work. They got another They got. They got PLL. They got college soccer coming up they got the nwsl mls dc united trainings and everything give them a thank you for keeping that field upright because they're gonna need it yeah they kept that thing they've been keeping that thing immaculate for the last few seasons exactly well that's enough for us for today so before we let you go, Mario, tell the people where they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to know what I'm working on or you just want to see me gush about how I saw Tom, Thomas Mueller in the mix zone in the locker room, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioMaya1. If you want to know what's going on in the world around you or just in the DMV, you can follow El Tiempo Latino too at El Tiempo Latino. You can go on their website, eltiempolatino.com, and if you just want to put money in my pocket, you can get yourself a hard copy of El Tiempo Latino, your local newsstand. Or, wait for it, Metro Station today. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Mono for more. Special shout as always to Kevin McLeod and Impotech for the intro music. Remember, rate and subscribe as always. 
Anchor, Spotify, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Battle Members FC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.